and welcome to Two Defeats from a Crisis on Saturday at 3, the review podcast. Uh, my name is Andrew Anderson and I'm joined tonight to discuss both the game, a little bit about the season, as well as the latest Rangers news with two of my very favourite podders. First of all, Dave, how you doing, man? Yeah, good, mate. Relieved the season's over, but look forward to the next one after. Yeah, I think that's that's going to be it. That's uh, the theme. We, we are going to be doing a deeper dive just into the season as a whole, doing a big season review, which should be out this weekend, uh, all being well. Uh, but before we get to that, I, I'd like to welcome my other guest, uh, a stalwart, someone who's stuck through us with thick and thin for all of these uh, reviews and this tail end of the season. Kenny, how are you doing, man? I'm good, mate. Thanks. I hope you're well. Yeah, yeah. All good here. So, uh, we are going to be looking back at the St Mirren Rangers game. Uh, I think if you ever looked at the definition of an end-of-season game, this is absolutely it. Uh, But, you know, before we get to that, um, just get your guys' thoughts briefly on the season as a whole. We don't want to do a deep dive, but Dave, you were saying just beforehand, you're relieved it's over as opposed to grateful. It's been a bit of a weird season, like... I said on Twitter, I've enjoyed it personally because it's my daughter's first real season going and they, we've had some good-ish performances at home and one, and she still sees games in isolation, so I've had some fun during it, believe it or not, with her. And we've actually won enough league games to make it a, a quote-unquote good season on paper. 92 points means we haven't suffered many setbacks domestically. Unfortunately, with Celtic being so strong this season, the setbacks we have suffered have cost us. Champions League was just a bit of a black hole at time at that point when the whole thing sort of derailed. It's It's been a weird season in that we've won a lot of games, reached a semi-final and a final, reached the Champions League and we're still coming away unsatisfied. It's the best shite season we've ever had, if you get me. Normally when we have a shite season, we're 30 points adrift and go to the Cups early and there's no Europe to sustain it. This season, we've actually won probably close to 70-75% of our games and we're still unsatisfied. So I think it's that sort of empty feeling that most fans have that we've not actually had empty celebrate. And it's been, I don't even know what the word I'm looking for is on the park, just unsatisfactory mm. across the season. So it's been kind of funny. It's Let's say the first time we've gone close, really, without an external factor to cost us a title. And we've still came up end of hand is normally we just have an absolute new care season and finish 20 points behind so uh, a funny one yeah I think if you look at our pattern over the past um like let's say the last five seasons typically after the winter break we always fall apart right so th- this time we've actually gotten stronger after it unfortunately it's just been a bit too little too late uh Kenny how about you man yeah pretty much similar to what Dave's saying I think at Ibrox we've been pretty decent actually in the main but I would put it as a, a season of two halves. Um, I think the difference since Michael Beals came in, results-wise, have been it's been highly noticeable that we've been much better at picking up those results away from home. Um, that time uh, at the point where Geo, it was clearly not working. Players had kind of down tools. Um, I was in a bit of despair, and I think we actually maybe pointed that out in the podcast, or I might have anyway, that at that rate, we were going to finish 20-odd points behind, like Dave said. So he steadied the ship since he came in. Uh, but I, I know exactly what Dave said. It's, Dave means because it's, it's just been one of those seasons that trophyless, as we know, uh, Champions League was a disaster. Um, <laughs> delighted to get there, oddly enough, but that quickly... Um, became quite a tragedy for us, didn't it? Um, I think I think Kenny two games into the Champions League, we were like, okay, well, can we leave now? Well, yeah, can it's we been get nice, out? but yeah. we don't want to it, be no, here that, anymore. That is, that's exactly it, Andrew. It was like that after a couple of games. Oh no, this is this is uh, <laughs> this is not what we were hoping for. Mm-hmm. Um, but to be honest, I I, I kind of tend to agree with most of what Dave said there. Actually, that. It's just been one of those kind of quite weird seasons that there's been an inevitability about all of it, if you know what I mean. That we've just kind of seen it all coming from early bells, and we've just went through the motions as a support to a certain degree. And totally agree with Dave. Glad it's finished, but looking forward to next season now already. So, yeah. Because for me. There was points at the season, particularly during that run, as you said, it was a season of two halves, but it's merely a donut. 
because we started quite <laughs> well. We we overcame USG <laughs> and then PSV, and we were unlucky to drop points at Easter Road. But by that point, you think to ourselves, right, okay, this looks okay. Then Celtic, Napoli, Ajax, three doings. And then for the next two or three months, it was wins were sporadic. There was that sort of hole in the middle, and then it got get better again towards the end. But there was points in that, and I'm thinking, Jesus, where do we even go for here? But as the seasons, as some stability's kicked in, players have come back for injury. I, I'm more optimistic now about next season than I was for for large parts of it. I think mm-hmm. Cantwell and Raskin have helped with that. In fact, we've added mm-hmm. some signings because at points I was in the depths of despair, going probably in the pod saying, Look, I don't really know where. How do we improve this for next season? But it, to me, the season was sort of hamstrung by poor squad building, very poor squad building, and very poor treatment of injuries and fitness. And if we can get those things ironed out, they seem to be. Uh, I'm more confident at, at this point now, looking into next season, than I was probably well, Dave, at any point. Can yeah. I say something? See what you said there about the, that Celtic, uh, the uh, Celtic Ajax Napoli that period. We kind of seen the fragility of this squad, didn't we? And I think that was kind of what concerned me at that point more than anything else. That this is going downhill rapid. Um, and well, like like the name of the podcast says, Kenny, it's two defeats from a crisis. That was three defeats in a row, and they weren't exactly squeakers either. They were heavy defeats, yeah. um, and it sucked the wind out of us completely over that period. Um, and you did see from the form afterwards. But on the other hand, Dave, as you say, you know, we um, we picked up 92 points here, which I think almost any other time in uh, in history of the Scottish Leagues, that would have been more than enough to, to win you the, uh, the title. So uh, unfortunately, we just came up against uh, a team who, you know, for large spells of the season have looked unstoppable. Um, so we shall see what happens next season, of course. We will dive into that in much more detail on the upcoming podcast. But for now, let's turn our attentions back to St Mirren, um, rounding out the season um, with an away day trip to what I believe is called the Smisma Stadium, <laughs> which was bizarre to me. But in terms of the team, we obviously saw a lot of the players who had started the previous game drop out. Uh Morelos was already on a flight out of the country. McGregor dropped to the bench. Uh, a couple of other changes in there as well. Kamara, again, probably another notable um, omission based on his performance. I don't think that was uh, too much in question. So team as it stands was McCrory in goals back again. Tav, Lundstrom and Suter and Yilmaz in the defence. Cantwell, Raskin and Jack in the midfield three. And then Haji, Sakala and Matondo uh, up front. Now, Dave, we'll come to you first. I think in terms of that lineup, we're not going to see, or at least we hope we're not going to see the majority of these players as recognised, established first-teamers. I think the hope is that we will have players coming in to at least challenge them for those positions. But in terms of a lineup, I mean, you compare that to where we were at the start of the season. What was... What was your thinking in terms of that lineup? How how do you rate that in terms of where it sits and, and what areas it shows we need to improve in? I think the back, McCrory's sort of earned the chance, I think, to get the first eight to ten games of the season under his belt. I think he's moved into that position for me. I cut a tidy saves on the day as well. Lundstrom coming into centre-half, I found a bit odd. I don't know if Beal's just trying to test him out there for some tactical tweaks next season. Cantwell, Raskin, Jack and Hadji in the middle going to be in the mix. They'll be probably four of the six to seven bodies that we have in those areas. Yilmaz, maybe he's starting to nail the jersey down as well. And Borna, I thought, seemed a bit emotional at the, the last home game of the season as well. I think we probably have reached the end point with him as well. And up front, it's glaringly obvious that we need three, four reinforcements in key areas up there. I mean, Matondo, I, I, I think the consensus is amongst every fan that He's just not going to cut it at Ibrooks. His main asset pace doesn't know where to run into against packed defences. He maybe lacks physicality and confidence to get on the ball. And stark contrast has to be said to his counterpart Sakala, who did look to get in the ball quite a lot and quite impressed me with his desire to be a sort of senior figure in that team, uh, albeit a kind of very fashiony type of game. But uh, 
we definitely want to live in a world where I was describing it to my pals the other day saying, look, we need to live in a world where fashion is the, th- the third choice cult hero who we all love. The mm-hmm. natural Nova of the squad, the guy you actually go, oh, Sakala's starting because he's, he's in and out of the team. He gets two or three games here, he comes on. We can't rely on him, I don't think, as a, a nailed on starter because I just think the quality's not there. So the squad needs to definitely be overhauled. And a few of these guys who are in there, maybe Jack, for instance, need to be mm-hmm. challenged or be backups to superior players if we want to challenge for the title next year. That to me, is glaringly obvious that there's four or five more, I think, still need to go, and probably another five, six, seven of decent quality who can contribute need to come in. And very clearly, that the priority for me now is in forward areas. Yeah, I I don't particularly disagree with any of that, Dave. Kenny, how about you? Any any other thoughts or anything you want to agree, disagree with there? No, I agree with most of what Dave just said. Uh, what I would suggest is I, I tend to agree with, with Dave again on l- the likes of Fashion Sakala. I would probably be more inclined to keep Sakala than I would Cholak, even though Cholak's numbers are are good. Uh, I think th- we've got to rotate. We've got to, we've got a, an overhaul to make. We've got to change this squad. Um, I would actually go a wee bit further than Dave and say I, I would be hoping for another. Genuinely, six, six, seven, eight out uh, of those that are on the periphery of this squad, or the first 11, if you know what I mean, those that are in and out all the time, the Scott Wrights, the Cholaks, the uh, the Matondos, all, all these guys, are really, if you can get any kind of uh, decent money for them at all, get them out, bring somebody in uh, to replace them, and just change this menu that, we're just sick and tired of looking at it, if you know what I mean. Um, it was a team that, you, uh, when you look at it, you just think, we'll never see that that starting 11 again, will we? We just won't. <laughs> you just never see Happily. it again. Ah, but it, I mean, it is fingers, true, fingers, fingers crossed here, right, Kenny? When I seen the starting 11 uh, uh, on Saturday at lunchtime, I just looked at it and thought, you know, you just kind of go, wow, uh, that's not what, that's not what's required. We know that, you know, and at an end of season kind of feel to their game anyway. But you know, we, we we were far more professional than they were. I thought, to be honest, and um, and the way we went about it. But no, I, again, I, I tend to agree with Dave in terms of the overhaul that's required there. It's the more the oh, better I mean, for me. If we can compare it to St Mirren's approach, that seemed to be lads. Can we get this over with as quickly as possible? We've got holidays booked up already. Yeah, we've got so. a flight at four o'clock. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, yeah, I think a lot of these players we're we're looking to see if they can establish themselves. They completely agree on Sakala as well. He's playing like he's got a, a point to prove there. You know, he he wants to make a stake, and I completely agree as well. He can't be a first choice, I think, for us in terms of what we need, consistency, quality-wise, but hell of an option to be able to bring off the bench or bring into kind of smaller games. And I think Cholak's someone who falls into that as well. I, I wouldn't be expecting him to start up front against Celtic, but St Mirren, Motherwell, Livingston, absolutely. It's going to be those kind of games where you need someone who can put a chance away. He's that type of guy to do that. But we're not going to go through the game in great deal of uh, detail because goals aside, I don't think there's many talking points to go through. Um, But we'll cover off the first half briefly. As we said earlier, you know, very much an end of uh, season kind of feel about it. But uh, we got a goal in that first half, Sakala, 26 minutes with an assistance from Ridvan Yilmaz. Uh, Kenny, I'll come to you first, mate. You know, using the goal itself, uh, how we played in that first half. Uh, the goal itself, uh, fantastic ball from uh, Yilmaz. Great slide ball through. Um, <laughs> fashion does what fashion does. Beats 27 players and then hits it straight straight at the defender on the goal line who managed to miss it. Um, and it somehow bounces up and hits the defender's <laughs> ass and goes in. <laughs> I don't know how he does it, honestly. (laughs) (laughs) But it's incredible that he does absolutely everything right and then gets to the point where there's a tap and and hits it right right at the guy. (laughs) Oh, you're joking. Uh, But to be fair, it's went in and more, you know, happier with with Yelmaz's pass through. To to have the ability and the, the, the eye to see that and play it to that, you know, 
perfect weight, uh, it was good to see because you w- we all respect the Borna Barisic. You won't see him doing that. You won't see him doing, uh, you know, even attempting that really. So uh, that was a bonus. That was uh, nice to see. Uh, the first half, I thought, um, yeah, to be honest, we've kind of hit the, touched on it already. I thought Sibman just looked as if their season was finished, to be honest with you. Whereas uh, to be the last game and to have so many changes again, I thought we were really quite professional and we passed the ball very well, actually. Over, not just first half, I thought over the 90 minutes, I thought we were pretty decent, to be fair. Um and as I say, very professional. So I had no real complaints on Saturday at all, to be honest. I thought we were went out, professional job done, to be honest. And I thought that was as as best you could hope for, but as I say, with that team out there. That's it, right? You you're just looking for us to not cock up and hopefully some, some people impress. We go into the break one nil up, uh, no changes at half time. Don't think anyone was calling out for any. And a couple of minutes into the second half, uh, it's Sakala again. And technically with an assist from uh, Ridvan on this one, but I, I'm not sure how much he can really claim credit for on this one, Dave. No, it's, again, very much down to fashion and he's strong running and willingness to get it. People having blown a couple of probably better opportunities than his goal in the first half where he was able to run through the middle. Again, at this point, I was watching fashion and going, right, he's actually... He's shown up as a kind of senior figure in the team here and taking leadership and looking for the ball and coming in areas to get it. What I mean by that is there's there's two kinds of players and we've not had enough of them this season as the kind of guys who look to get on the ball and make things happen and be sort of second captains, if you like. The guys who I look at who have that attribute would be guys like Goldson in forward areas, Arfield, Jack. And there's other guys who are a wee bit more passive. Kamara, for instance. Uh, Matondo who's quite content to just let the game happen around them and take the ball but Fashion was coming and looking for it and taking the game to their team and that's just it, for over the last couple of weeks I've been kind of looking at Fashion going in or out are we getting rid of you are we getting you we try to get something in for you and, and replacing you I was watching the game going no he's got a good attitude he's willing to get in the ball he's willing to make difficult choices and be brave and get other teams so he's definitely for me played his way but he was never out of my affections, but you know what I mean? He played, he's played his way into, right, you can do a job here, and again... For, I mean, Dave, well, first half of the season, Fashion Scholar was our mascot because he was scoring every other game. Um, and, I mean, this is four he scored in the last four games as well. So yep. he's prolific. He's got the numbers, um, and, which is certainly more than Ryan Kent did towards the end. Exactly. The numbers thing for me just makes it a stick on that he should be kept, albeit, as we say, suitably caveated when being replaced by somebody but numbers wise he's Rangers most productive employee probably this season and yeah. he's not he's untidy he's maybe no easy in the eye all the time he's frustrating because he's to quote Gattuso sometimes maybe good sometimes maybe shit <laughs> but the numbers don't lie over a long enough period of time and I okay the goalie goes down in installments and it goes under him but as Mark Cately said you don't buy the ticket you don't win the lottery fashion does well gets it on target guy doesn't cover himself in glory but we're not here to defend that guy but and it's another positive in fashion's call that's it i mean it's another notch right so you know we um I, again i think as kenny alluded to there we're playing this pretty professionally despite it being what it is in terms of what it means for the season which is very little um we made a series of changes around 68, 69 minutes. Uh, first of all, Yomaz came off, uh, Borna Barisic. And then we had a good number of changes. Uh, Haji and Sakala come off for Arfield and Cholak. But interestingly, we also had Tav coming off for Adam Devine, who's getting, I think, a rare start, to be honest. He's not featured, I think, at all that I can remember under Michael Beale. So um, it was good to see him come on and, uh, again, some more of the uh, youth prospects getting a go. Um, and we didn't have long to wait after that for the next goal. Uh, Tony Goals, hey, you know, Dave, again, you nicknamed him. So I think you can take some of the, some of the you know, feedback joy off of that one. And um, a lot of this comes down to the fact that we had some different players in those positions. Tav's not on the pitch, so he's not taking the corner. Instead, our beautiful Todd Campwell, who um, I think had probably his quietest game for us. Um, in this one 
He takes the corner for the first time after wanting to take a corner for, I think, the entire season since he's come in. Uh, puts it onto his best mate, uh, Nico Raskin's head. And uh, Tony Goals is there to finish it off. Does what Tony Goals does and gets the uh, gets the goal. And also manages to pick up a yellow card by jiving into the crowd to celebrate. Um, again, similar to Hadji, that was a goal that I think meant a lot to him in terms of where he's come from, you know, the injury journey, the fact that he was, at least at the start of the season, the first choice striker and has obviously fallen down the pecking order to the point where, you know, we're not totally sure if he does have a future at the club next season. So, Kenny, I'll come to you first, mate. But, uh, you know, what 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 do you think that means in terms of Cholak and his, his position within the squads um, next season? I, I'm honestly not sure. I But I, I do get the feeling that... Um... He'll be away in the summer, actually. Uh, if you watched his uh, interview on RTV after it, there was a lot of smiling, a lot of talk when he was talking about next season. He was smirking a lot, you know, that, but not in a, a nasty way, if you know what I mean. It, it was just, a, and I just got the feeling that he knows he's away and he was just delighted to get one before he went. Um, I could be totally wrong, though. <laughs> I've got to be honest. I, I genuinely don't know. Um, but Yep, time will tell. Yeah, but I do get that feeling that um, there's going to be so much of an overhaul and he does it, and no matter what way we, I look at this, uh, and I don't mind him as a player, I've got to be honest, I think he's a slightly better player than a lot of Rangers fans think, uh, even in terms of his, you know, his hold-up play and stuff like that, but he's not going to be a first-choice striker for us, he just isn't, uh, and he has made no impact whatsoever as uh, a substitute so I just don't really see him fitting into Michael Beale's plans. Um, I could, as I say, I could be totally wrong, but I've just got that feeling that, uh, by all accounts, there's a fair bit of interest in in Germany and and, and in the states and stuff like that. So uh, I think that perhaps hints that he's maybe been told, look, tell your agent to go and try and find you something. But who knows? But delighted for the guy, to be honest, because he, you know. Bar that injury period that, that was really tough for him, that four or five months, he's done pretty well for us, I've got to be honest. I think he's been fairly decent. Uh, well, I mean, to your point, Kenny, that goal puts him level with James Tavernier as our you know, exactly, top most prolific yeah. goal scorer this season. So, I mean, as we said with the uh, with the Tav goal last week, you know, when you're pointing at your most prolific goal scorer and one of them's your right back and the other one's a guy who was out injured for four months, it suggests there's a wider problem at, yeah, at stake there problem. in terms of the yeah. team, right? Yeah. So, yeah, well, I mean, we shall see. Um, game peters out after that. Uh the, the Welsh Prince Matondo coming off there for King at the 79th minute. But apart from that, St Mirren never really threatened the goal. I think McCrory had, as Dave said at the start, one or two nice saves, but not, nothing that looked like a, an absolute howler and certainly no uh, close calls uh, in terms of their attacks. So, yeah, Rangers finish up. Another three points in the bag, 92 points. Aberdeen obviously putting up a brave fight across the city, meant that uh, Celtic finished on 99. And uh, that also meant that Aberdeen, who were the third place team, had 57 points, which it tells its own story about how strong that league is. Because when we're on 92 and going, that's a pretty good season, and they're way down on 60, not even 60 points, the uh, the gap is getting bigger and bigger. And it's probably worthy of a, a larger discussion at a different time. But honestly, that, that expanse, I don't think there's any way that starts shrinking anytime soon. No, absolutely not for me. And Aberdeen also finished on a negative goal difference, as did every other team in the top six, except Hearts, St Mirren on minus 18, and I think almost every team in the bottom six as well finished on a negative goal difference. So clearly the trend is towards Rangers and Celtic dishing out doings in the league. And next season again, it's going to be a 95-97 point total to win it. Because no matter if Rangers improve or slide back, or Celtic slide back, one of the two is still going to pick up 90-odd points. And it's getting the gap's getting bigger. Five subs, bigger squads. The tendency is just going to be for this gap to get bigger and bigger. Which yeah, the advantages, I think, are weighted towards the two big teams in our league. I mean, yeah. you know, a, a lot of the other fans of other teams will say that it's been like that for a long while, but it's only getting more and more pronounced at this point. And if you throw VAR into the mix as well, where mm-hmm. 
Rangers and Celtic spend a lot more time in the opposition's box, innocuous nicks and niggles and fouls there, more likely to get penalties, they'll get more set pieces as a result of VAR. It's very much weighed towards towards the big two now, and obviously VAR doesn't look at anything that happens in our box, um, so we don't get penalties against us, which is another mm-hmm. advantage. Um Again, David, it's that big uh, Masonic conspiracy that we're, you know, championing off of. Uh, it's been so successful for us that we've won two trophies in 11 years. Honestly, it's been fantastic for us. Exactly. But uh, I, it's probably one for this end of season pod. But um, <laughs> Scottish football and where it's going and how it levels this disparity out, if it does, I don't know. I know my preference would be for Rangers. Literally, don't really care about Celtic to find another league to play in, but mm. I, I can't see the gap closing anytime soon. It, it's quite a maths conundrum how every team in the league ends up on negative goal difference with the exception of three. I still can't quite wrap my head in that conceptually. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, Motherwell were the only other team to finish with a positive goal difference, and that was a positive goal difference of one. So, you know, not exactly storming ahead there on the goal difference tables. We had a goal difference of 56. Uh, good signs for the future. They had a goal difference of 80. So it, it is, as you say, just massive hammerings being dealt out to pretty much everyone else in the league, which it's an indictment, right? Um, we finished on 92 points. That would have been enough to win the league uh, five out of the last 10 years. But we are where we are, right? Exactly. And as I say, for me, the key thing next season is, and you see some of this chat on Twitter, it's like, oh, will we sign X, Y or Z? Who do they replace? We need a squad of 15 first-team contributors, five guys who are at or approaching that level or academy players and then another buffer of one or two to take account of injuries because with five subs next season it's a squad game I felt towards the end of the season in particular just as it is the title race if you could call it a race wound down Celtic were maybe struggling a wee bit but picked up a lot of points because they scored post 75 minutes because they were able to bring on four quality players at the same time and that's where we need to be and that's really said at the start of the show, what we lacked particularly in that middle chunk of the season was that ability to bring on quality and domestically, I don't think Europe helped morale or confidence but domestically, not being able to bring on good quality players to turn games when it mattered was what probably cost us the most and that goes back to the transfer window I mean yeah, we saw the improvement when we just added two quality players into the mix, two players who quickly established themselves as first teamers so you imagine we have a, tr- a turnover where you know treble or quadruple that number come in, and things start looking a lot more positive. As we're talking about it, let's uh, let's pick up on some of these new signings. Then uh, we've got two now confirmed coming in: uh, Kieran Dow coming in from Norwich, a midfielder, and Dujon Sterling, who, according to the Rangers' uh, release on this, can play all across the back line. But I think he's primarily played as a right back, so that's going to be interesting. Uh, Kenny, I'll come to you first. Uh, your views on the two guys coming in? You know, did you heard about them before? How do you think you see them slotting in? All that kind of good stuff. Well, I had heard about them both before, yeah, but um, don't know huge amounts about Kieran Dowell, to be fair, but uh, I do remember him playing with Norwich in the Premier League last season, I think it was. Um, and listen, I, I don't know huge amounts about him, but I do know more about uh, Sterling. Uh, because I do watch a lot of the championship, and he's a good player. There's no doubt he's a good player. Um, and he's a unit. He's Calvin Bassey-esque, which should be pleasing for most of us, because I think we're uh, we're missing a bit of physicality in, in our back four at times. Uh, we have done this season, particularly with the injuries, and Dave said that about that period, uh, you know, earlier on in the season where we were struggling and Celtic were scoring. I think a lot of that was down to injuries as well. This guy being versatile will uh, make a big difference for us. Um, I know he can play right and left back and can play centre-half, so that's good news. Uh, Where we're going to play him, how we're going to use him, I'm not quite sure, but um, I also happen to... I think that's the same with Cairn Dowell. I think he can play as, in modern terms, I think he can play as a 6 and an 8, and has played as a 10 before as well. So he's quite versatile, and I think um, this is a kind of wee throwback, a little bit of a throwback to Gerard's time, where you would hear Gerard talk about uh, 
the versatility of players. He's a versatile player. He can play in multiple positions. Um, and I think that, along with uh, the, both interviews, uh, have kind of encouraged me a little bit, um, where both of them have turned around and, and pointed to Michael Beale selling uh, the, the gig to them, at, you know, almost instantly. The boy Sterling actually said it yesterday, where he said he had no intention of settling his future early. But the minute he met Bailey and came up and he said, this will do me, this is great. Um, that bodes well for the future where you've got a manager that is, as Michael Beale has said himself, he's going to look a boy in the eye and say, this is what I want. Do you have it? Do you want this? Do you need it? Do you want it in your career? Um and Michael Bills, I think, will be quite prepared to walk away if he doesn't see that. But he's seen it in these kids. So we, we are lacking in this squad. We, we I, I, Again, Dave alluded to this 10 minutes ago there, but we are lacking. Guys like Kamara and uh, guys like that, they're not leaders. We are lacking severely in those leaders um, throughout that pitch uh, at the minute. And... If they have that, I don't. I'm not suggesting for a minute that I know they have that because I don't. But I get the feeling that that's what Michael Beale was looking for, Andrew. I've got to be honest, and I'm quite happy with the pair of them. I've got to say, both playing at a good level, both uh, well football educated and educated the right way. Uh, both have played for England at even up to under 21 levels, so they, they're good players. There's no get no getting away from that. You don't play for. Uh, England at any international level without being a good player, particularly, you know, at the under-20s and under-21s, unless you're a good player. You have to have something about you. So I'm quite excited about them, I've got to be honest. point about the utility players one is is particularly good because... I, as you say, that was a that was a feature of uh, some of these players under under Gerrard, and obviously Michael Beale was a part of that uh, squad there. So, you know, having these guys who can be options, who can slot into different positions as well, and I think even with someone like John Lundstrom uh, this season, who you know we've seen deployed both as a midfielder as well as a defender, I think you're seeing that kind of idea of that utility and the fact that it gives you that extra flexibility when Lundstrom's dropped back there it has tended to be as part of a, a three at the back so the idea that we can have these these different positions these different transitions into different formations that's got to be exciting right Dave? Yeah um, I'm delighted with the business that we're doing I'll uh, don't agree versatility number of different positions, tactical options, that fits Beal's mould. Physicality, something we definitely lost when we lost Bassey, Aribo was a big lad and an underrated tackler. We also had Golds and Injured at the same time, so all our height and strength at the back and in set pieces was lost. But for me, it's already in sharp contrast to last year's transfer window, where if you made a Venn diagram of your signings last season, there wouldn't be two in the same section because there was no commonalities. There was just no... What Did they share? What characteristics did Matondo and Cholak share? What characteristics did Ridvan and Tillman share? Age may be right. I'm a big believer in that you need chemistry in a team and you need a, a good blend of complementary skills. And a lot of the time as well, you need guys who are going to dovetail and fit. Cantwell and Raskin seem to have formed a bond, similar sort of age, similar ability levels, they're both very skillful and technical so they'll form a bond and they do seem to be dovetailing well we obviously had that with Bassi Aribo, Kamara, Baligan, similar sort of backgrounds they were English as well, so integrated with Tav and Ken, and you create a bit of harmony that way as well I, I've criticised the last season's signings to fucking blue in the face, and another aspect it is just lack of chemistry it was just randoms flung in together with nothing really to share I, I think the, the English market has been good to us I think Bill's use of it has been good and I think he knows what he's looking for in a player and if we our strategy is to get in guys who are double can't well maybe just a wee bit of fixer upper just needing a reboot and guys like uh, Sterling as we did with Bassey who are get their best years in front of them, maybe just slightly gone off the path they imagined for themselves, and we can then flip all of a sudden between Cantwell, Dibble, Raskin and Sterling, our last four signings. Potentially, if things go well, that could be another 20, 30, 40, 50 million, depending on how they do. So all of a sudden, the squad has value again. So I'm a big fan of looking in these markets for players because to, 
Kit Cantwell, for instance, very flair player, likes to get the ball, make things happen. In England, he's not going to be a Liverpool or a Man City or an Arsenal where he can do that week in, week out. So he's going to kind of get squashed in championship games where the football's no technically as good, the ball's no as free-flowing, and his team don't have 70% possession. Him and Dill come up here, all of a sudden, 70-80% possession, loads of attacking opportunities, loads of time on the ball to do what they want, maybe not time on the ball, but loads of opportunities to do what they want with the ball to showcase the talent and the skill they have. So we're a good option for guys of that ilk, and we've shown with Bassi that we can flip you onto a better club. So... I'm delighted with the business we're doing. It's given me a lot of confidence and a few more of them and some continental quality of a, of a similar level. And I think we'll be be ready to put together a challenge where I didn't feel that way six months ago. Well, let's talk about some of these prospective uh, transfers that are coming in. Um, we'll start off with uh, a guy who's been rumoured for a, a fair while now, uh, Butland, who's currently at Man U. Uh, that went quiet. It's it's getting a little bit more traction now, um, as uh, Manu's manager has said, he's looking to bring in a new goalkeeper. So that's potentially a goer. Um, Kenny, I'll come to you first. I mean, on paper, to me at least, this looks like a good option for us. I mean, it'd be a free, I believe, although the wages might be a uh, bit of a stumbling block. But you know, you'd be getting a good quality goalkeeper in there, um, someone who... Uh, similar to some of these other transfers, highly rated um, a couple of years ago, someone who's maybe lost their way. For you, Kenny, um, you, would you be excited about this? Is this the kind of level we need to be looking at? Yes, it is actually. Uh, he's a good goalkeeper. Um, I know he's had some problems over the years. I know he had a poor season at Stoke a couple of years back. Um, but look, uh, that was a that was a poor Stoke side that finished in the bottom six, uh, I think bottom seven of that league. Uh, a defence that was shot to pieces. Um, look, you, you don't play for, and I know he's not playing for Man you don't get to Man United, you don't get to Crystal Palace, you don't get to the Premier League without being a decent keeper. Um, again, you'll both know this, you know, both know exactly what I mean by this. It takes a certain mentality to, to be a Rangers goalkeeper, or, or a Celtic goalkeeper for that matter, to get to be good at it, because you could literally, and it's an old cliche, but you could literally stand there and do nothing for 89 minutes and then you've got to bring out a world-class save to, to make sure your team win. Um, and I think he has that. And this is where I've been saying this since Michael, you know, since before Michael Beale came in, uh, when Gio did get sacked, I wanted Michael Beale be, to, to get the job because I have a funny feeling that, and again, Dave just said it a few minutes ago, but I do get that feeling that he knows exactly what he wants in a player, in a, in a position. He knows exactly what he's looking for. And I can see why he's went for Butland, because he's actually a big game player. He's got plenty of time left. Um, and if it doesn't work, uh, you will move him on uh, a year or two down the line with no problems whatsoever. He is a highly sought-after keeper. Um, so yeah, I'm quite excited about that. I'm a bit like Dave. I'm um, much more optimistic uh, at this point than I was perhaps three or four months ago. I've got to be honest with the names that we're being linked with. And again, to to, to very quickly, uh, you know, point to that use of the English market. Listen, if we are bringing these guys in on free transfers, which we're doing, obviously they'll be signing on fees. We'll get understand that, but. To get these guys at a fraction of their value, uh, that can only be good for us. Regardless to whether it works perfectly or not for us, it's a great idea. And I'm quite excited about Butland. I've got to be honest, Andrew. Really am. The good keeper. Yeah, we'll keep an eye on that. And I think, you know, we'll... um... Obviously, we're not going to be releasing podcasts as regularly, given that it's the close season. But I think if we do see significant movement in the transfer market, then I think we'll we'll probably get ourselves together and have a little chat about them. And yes, that would certainly be someone who's worthy of uh, a lot of conversation. Dave, I'm going to come to you next for a player I think we're all quite familiar with and another potential uh, player coming in, Malik Tillman. Um, thoughts, thoughts, views there, Dave? Oh, don't give me hope. I've kind of written that off. <laughs> I've kind of, the, the signs from sort of his side yeah. and the club don't look great, but yeah. I, I think we would be fools if we have an option for Tillman not to take it. Considering how bad things were, probably when he played his best football, 
in that early period of the season. And his obvious talent as a player, he's going to go to the top. He's going to go for £20 million one day and he's going to play at an elite level. It's, it, to me, obvious. He's got the physicality. He, he works hard despite getting criticised for that in some quarters. His ability to see things and make things happen is incredible. His skill on the ball. I, I think he's just got one of these sort of lackadaisical body languages that doesn't go down very well in certain quarters of Rangers fans. But anybody who knows football watching that goes, that boy is an absolute talent. Five million pound is a steal. If we got offered five million pound for somebody who, if we got offered five million pound for Cantwell, who probably has been at a similar level, albeit Cantwell's aggression helps a wee bit, um, we would be laughing in the faces of whoever did temerity to offer us it. And to not take Tillman on, went young guy, different league, at every box for me, was stick to what you want at a youth player. So, absolutely, we should do it. Not that I want to give you false hope here or anything, Dave, but I, I understand that Bayern Munich's sporting director has left, and so their strategy, their thoughts around potential players in, out, and what they'll be doing with Malik Tillman might be up in the air at that point. So, again, one that we'll keep an eye on and one that we'll see. Uh but yeah, I'm in complete agreement with you. I would be bringing him in 100%. I think, to be honest, that lackadaisical kind of style of play reminds me more than anything of uh, the first season that we had Joe Aribo, where he was accused of exactly the same kind of thing. You know, he's just too lazy in the ball, doesn't do anything with it. And then you saw how he blossomed. It just I, I, For me, it doesn't stand up to scrutiny, though, with Tillman. It, it, it's a young guy's body language where he maybe lacks a wee bit of self-confidence in front of cameras, but Tillman wins tackles, mm. he wins the ball, so did Aribo. They get back, they win the ball. I defy MD. You could watch back and see uh, Tillman barging people off the ball left, right and centre and turn and play around. I don't... It's just an eye thing. He's, it's not backed up by, if you actually watch with any degree of scrutiny, that he's, he's like that. So there was a point where he was playing well and he went over to take a corner and he just looked like a, a sort of 20-year-old boy who'd just been dragged out of his bed and the shoulders were slumped and he was kind of bouncing and I thought, no wonder people are, are kind of picking you up for this because that looks stinking, but you've got two assists, so uh, I find, and you're about to take this corner with an option to get a third assist. So it, it, it's just a thing, but it's a thing people pick up on, but if you actually look at boys' talents, it's the no-brainerest of no-brainers that I have ever seen at Ibrox, if it's possible. Alrighty. Uh, well, I want to get both of your thoughts on the next two players that we're going to bring up. Um, I'm just going to do them both here. Tassos Divukas from Utrecht and Jose Sifuentes from LA Galaxy. Uh, Kenny, I'll come to you first, but I want your thoughts as well, Dave. These are two players, I think, who are less well-known to us, but both have been strongly linked. Uh your thoughts, first of all, Kenny? Uh, Sifuentes has been kind of hinted at for a wee while, hasn't it? Um, don't know yeah. much about him, but uh, that Ecuador side's a good side. So if he's getting in there, it, it, he'll he'll be a half-decent player. Um, playing with LA as well. So um, I'm not particularly dismissive of the American or the MLS, as people uh, over here tend to be for whatever reason. I've watched a fair bit of it. Some some really good players in that league. Um, uh, yeah, there's a, a strong hint that he is coming, um, which is good. Um, big strong lad. I've noticed that he's five eleven or something like that, but he's he's a unit. Um, if he turns up, yeah, we need bodies in the midfield, and he he'll be a technical player, being a South American. I'm not going to pretend I know huge amounts about him because I don't. But that's kind of my take on that one. Uh, the other lad, uh, I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce his name. All I know is he's the um, top sc- scorer in uh, the era division. And yeah, you, you, he's got to be a decent striker if he's scoring, what was it, 27, 26, 27 goals in that league? He's got um, a very decent record, yeah. Yeah, uh, 26, 27 in a season in that league. Uh, yeah, you'll be a, he'll be a good player. And if he can score in that league, you can bet your bottom dollar he will score in our league. Whether he comes or not, I have no idea. I think that from what I've read, they were looking at uh, eight or nine million euros. That might be a little bit out of a price price range. I'm not sure. Uh, but I do have a funny feeling, that, and Dave alluded to that as well, with the three or four 
needed in the forward positions. I do have a funny feeling that that's where we're going to actually spend the majority of our budget will be up front. I think Michael Beale has realised we really do need a proven talent up there, um, that we need those numbers in those positions, and I think he might well spend to make sure he gets it. But I'm not going to pretend that I know anything about the kid. I've got to be honest, Andrew. I don't know anything about him. <laughs> no worries at all. Uh, Dave, you're, you're you know, obviously a big lover of European football, although a little bit further south than uh, than the Netherlands. So, uh, yeah, I mean, your thoughts on the, on those two boys? Right, we've came to one of my pet series about football, right? We've, I meant to say all right, right. Okay. The game at the um, weekend. But, but before you start here, Dave, is this related in any kind of way to supermarkets or anything like that? No. No, no, <laughs> thankfully not, right? So, All right, okay. I, I, two things around at the weekend. It should be against the rules to take off a striker who's on a hat trick, right? That's one of my pet theories. Sakala getting taken off with two goals to his name shouldn't be allowed. Sure. And uh, making a defensive sub when you're 3 0 up with five minutes to go should be banned. Bringing on Leon King for an attackers out of order, right? But now we get to my real theory about this. Eredivisie top goal scorers are literally a coin toss. When they leave Holland, it's a 50 50 whether they're going to be world class or complete fucking dug meat, right? For every <laughs> like, for every Luis Suarez you get, who goes on to become the world's best striker, you get an Afonso Alves, right? You get somebody like Vernisto Roy or Huntelaar, and then you get fucking Baz Dost, who just does nothing. So or Jakumakis or Samaras, who just don't do it. So it's fifty-fifty. We might as well take the punt because he's either going to be the best striker in history. Or complete rubbish, right? You just don't know what you're getting when you buy that league's top goal scorer. But generally speaking, I'm on board. If you've got the chance to get a guy, considering that they do have a track record, or fifty percent a track record, we might as well take the punt. Sifuentes again. No, not. I remember him being touted about with a big move to Europe for about ten million a couple of years ago, and it seems quite highly sought after. If we get the rest of it right, see if we get the basis right, the doubles, the sterlings. Raskin and Cantwell and they show up well you can kind of afford to take a wee bit more of a risk with some of the bigger signings you can sort of go right we've got the base of the team we can maybe take a punt on a guy who might take a while to settle and who can be a bit of a project we're not relying on these guys to come in and hit the ground running to the same extent albeit if you're spending money you need to although Cifuentes fairly low cost I believe so it's not that much of a risk but once we've got the basis of the team English or British certainly I'd look to add some Scottish players to that we can kind of start to be a bit more adventurous and start to look for quality. But the bottom line is, I trust Bill. I don't think many of the signings that he made first time round or now have let us down. So if he identifies these guys, then it's good enough for me. It's certainly no Ross Wilson's scattergun approach. And mm. the other thing, we've been linked with these guys for a while. We're clearly looking at them. There's a sort of no smoke without fire. We said before in the pod, we lauded Wilson's, oh, we don't get rumours anymore, it's great, the club are great at keeping things in-house. No, we just signed these guys the day we're fucking offered them, so there's no chance for a rumour to emerge. There's no policy, so there's no rumour. At least we're obviously doing our diligence in these guys. Well, that, that I suppose, is a positive. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Obviously, there's a, it's transfer season now, so there'll be a billion names linked, but certainly... You know, the the level of names, the, the kind of quality that we're being linked to is promising on that front. And I think, Dave, as you alluded to earlier, the fact that there appears to be an actual strategy in place now is obviously promising as well. Uh, just want to touch on another brief news item. Uh, both Jack and John Souter got called up for the national team. Uh, Jack was actually asked, um, touching on a point we made on a previous podcast, had he considered stepping back from the national club uh you know, just to maybe safeguard himself in terms of suffering injuries. He's insisted he's absolutely fine. He can do both club and country. But Kenny, I'll come to you first, mate. Um, In terms of that international call-up thing, it is obviously a good thing for our players because it shows that they have that quality. You know, we were talking about Sequentes in terms of his stature within the Ecuadorian team. So it is obviously a big deal for these players. But when we have players like Jack and like Suter, who we have had recent injury worries about i mean we we cannot ask these players to step back from the national team but is it the kind of thing we should be encouraging is it 
you know, the kind of thing that we should be advising them about. It, it's a concern for me, at least, because it feels like every single time Jack goes away with Scotland, he seems to pick up an injury. And I, I worry about Suter just because of how hellish a couple of years he's had as well. So I don't know. What, what's your take on that, mate? No, I kind of tend to agree with you, but you can't ask them to, you know, consider, you know, their international careers. That's not that's not fair on them. But um, listen, it's one of those. I, I I don't know how to put this. I'm just kind of utterly nonplussed about the national team. I think most of us are, to be honest. Um, I don't. I, you know, how would I put this? Um, but Ryan Jack more so, uh, I've got a little bit of an issue with it. John Souter, I don't, because I actually happen to think John Souter's Scotland's best centre-half. So I don't think there's any doubt that he should um, consider playing these games that are coming, because he's not played very many games. So the more he plays, um, as long as he doesn't come back <laughs> injured, obviously, then I'm quite happy. But with Ryan Jack, I do totally agree with you. He's had issues with Steve Clark for many years. I remember um, Stephen Gerrard actually talking about how he had a, a personal fitness programme um, at Rangers and Steve Clark literally threw it out the window and told him to go and run, was it 10K or something silly? Yeah. Um, yeah. It was something like that, um, which is something that Brian Jack literally at that point couldn't do because of the injury that he had. Um, you know, so that that can that this is I'm not just having a pop at Steve Clark for the sake of it here, but that kind of thing concerns me. Um, Rangers are his employees, and no wonder Gerard at that point turned around and called that out and said that will not be happening again. Um, so I, I've got a little bit of an issue, uh, as I say, with the way Steve Clark goes about things. I think he's got his own interests and he's Scotland's interests at heart, but. We have the players' interests uh, first and foremost in our mind. So um, I don't know. I, I think it's hard to say. You know, can you know consider your international career? But um, yeah, I think they should probably consider their international careers. To be honest with you, <laughs> <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> I wouldn't say that they should, but they should. No, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Dave, how about you, man? Yeah, I'm not asked about Scotland one, but I think <laughs> uh, for me, the fact that these summer internationals are a bit of a bind, I think probably most clubs would scrap them. In our context, it's because one, the antipathy towards Scottish national team, right? But we've got two potentially very significant players for this next season, homegrown on-field captains, leaders, as we discussed. Their season has been broken up injury already, and now it's going to last another three weeks. Because the games are the last game is to the twentieth, so they've got to stay fit and in shape for three weeks and don't get any downtime, even just a mental break. Then they're going to have to come back into a pre-season of at least three weeks, you would think, before your Champions League qualifiers. So it's kind of extending these guys, the intensity of these guys' day job a wee bit more than I would like. I'd like them to get a bit of a break. I think we need to break this summer because with the World Cup, the season the way it went, I, th- I still think we're having a bit of hangover from last year. The mental downtime and just getting some positivity around yourself for the next season under Beal and so on. I'm just not a fan. Suter's too young to ask to step in, but I think Jack has got a year on his deal at Rangers. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I'm looking for here. There's no sympathy. It's kind of... I, I think the club probably hummed and hawed and had a lot of internal discussions before putting that deal on the table. And it probably came down to maybe a 60-40. And I, I think if uh, Stephen Davis doesn't get injured, I think that debate goes on a lot longer because in terms of players that we could rely on, players who we wanted for the continuity, yep. Stephen Davis is probably a steadier hand. And up until that injury had you yep. know been like a, a watch for us, never always taken over. So exactly the fact that it came I... down to Arfield or Jack, you can see yeah. why, the, why the coin ended up that side. Yeah, and I think if there was another... Lewis Ferguson type mid emerged this this summer for transfer. I think the club would have pushed the boy to get him round the deal. There's no another obvious Scottish central midfielder on the radar at the minute. So I think Jack's been quite fortunate in that regard. And I think he needs to maybe look at what side he's bread's buttered and go, right, okay. It, this is going to mean a, a period of games in the summer and the sea in the season where Champions League, League, Scotland, Scotland, 
League Champions League over a period of six weeks and he could get maybe two weeks off in that or a week off in that but no he'll be flying to fucking Malta or fucking I don't know Azerbaijan or somewhere to play for Scotland and inevitably they'll play Feral him Islands, Dave. they're right there aye well exactly they'll, they'll play him and it'll be third game because the disregard Steve Clark has as Kenny pointed out for for Rangers and Jack it just I don't think he's ever gone in international duty and come back fit I'd be surprised if he has he can do three games in a week so yeah I think it's time to, to call a halt I think Garfield was clever when he called a halt just extended his Rangers career probably by a bit uh, and I think it's time yeah. I think particularly with our field, you know, he's someone who's looking to play first team football next year. Um, not with us, uh, obviously. Yep. You know, he's he's looking to maintain that. And international think... football is good, and I think you know there's always a certain element of national pride. But ultimately, this is a career, this is a job, and if you rule out a couple of years worth of earnings, then you know you're only hurting yourself ultimately. Exactly. How old's Ryan Jack? I mean, if I'm Ryan Jack, I'm looking he's going. 30, right. He's 31 now, so, so you know another two years at Rangers. I'd be looking at yeah. going right. I want another two year, another two one year deals at Rangers. I need to just fucking knuckle down. And if he sacrifices the Scotland games, yes, it's not caps, but he'll play more games for Rangers. I'm, I've no doubt about that. I think the only thing I would say is it's kind of it's kind of hard for Ryan Jack to call a halt halfway through a campaign, if you like. Um, after these three games, he'll he'll know pretty much if we're going to qualify or not. Actually, so. Um, it would be hard for him not to look at the Euros uh, next summer and say I, I could be going there because uh, he is a he's a stick on to get uh, in that squad because Steve Clark loves him as a player that's really obvious. Um, so the, in that sense, it, it might be quite hard for him to do that. But I would expect him to call a halt to next season. Now I know his contract's up, he's only got one year, but I would expect him to call a halt in his international career next summer. Put it that way. I, I can't see a deal getting offered. This I can't see an extension getting offered in the coming season with the Euros on the horizon because Rangers will look at that and go right. There's a fair chance if he just ex- if he tries to play two seasons back to back with no break, yeah. which a Euro season is, then there is fucking no chance of him being I mean, any good. This uh, season no, after I, I the only way that sorry, Andrew, I'm go. No, no, I, I think a lot of it comes down to how well he performs this season. Um, if if they see him balancing both Scotland duties as well as club duties this coming season, and he stays fit for the majority of that, which Ryan yeah. Jack's never done. I, I think it's his entire career with us. He's never been fully fit for an entire season. He's always had gaps out injured. If he can beat that curve, he can beat that trend and stay fit for the entire season um, alongside Scotland duty, it's a no-brainer for Rangers to offer him a new contract because he is important to us when fit. But this past season has shown us how much we cannot depend on on players who are really good for us, but when they're fit. We we had Phil Hollander, we've had Kamaru, we've had players who are critical pieces of how our team works, who have been out injured for good chunks of the time. And that's bad for us on two levels. It costs us money and also means we're delivering less in the park. So I love Ryan Jack as a player. I really want him to be playing for us for as long as possible. Him playing for Scotland inevitably has a, a drag on that. It's pretty much exactly what I was going to say there, but you said it better than me, so well done. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we've natted on for over an hour at this point, and come on, the typical host is uh, off watching Europe, Europa League finals as opposed to doing the proper Rangers thing and, and, watch it and talking about us instead. So... Um, we're, we're the dedicated ones here. And Dave, I think in your case, maybe didn't want to watch anything that involves Sevilla. Well, he's, he's a bigger man than me watching that. I just cannot, could not. Yeah. But um, it won't be long until the folk out there listening can hear us again. As I said earlier, we should have another podcast out this weekend looking specifically into the seasons as a whole, how we performed looking back on some of our predictions at the start of the season and how well or badly they turned out. Um, but in the meantime, um, I want to first thank my two co-hosts. Uh, first of all, Kenny, uh, it's been a pleasure, mate. And uh, I want to give you a special props uh, because you turned up for so many of those bad games that we had uh, towards the tail end of this season. So uh, thank you, mate, not only for today, but also for, for your contributions uh, uh, this year, mate. 
Thank you very much, but no, not at all. Rangers are Rangers, mate. Win, lose, or draw, you just crack on <laughs> and go on with it, don't you? That's it, that's it. And uh, Dave, again, thank you. You know, you're the, the Nacho Novo, you're you're popping up when required and always <laughs> delivering quality uh, as needed. So uh, I want to thank you as well, mate, uh, for everything. Yeah, cheers, mate. Pleasure, enjoyed that. <laughs> Alrighty, and uh, finally, let's... Uh, thank the uh, listeners as well you guys are the reasons why we do this we encourage you to follow like share subscribe all that good stuff on all the social networks we're on uh tiktok facebook twitter uh fucking instagram and uh get onto the podcast uh, apps as well so we've got apple podcasts we've got spotify we've got amazon music uh we've got all manner of different shit there's a podcast network out there that you want to listen to us on and we're not there let us know and we'll put ourselves on there you can reach out to us, contact at saturdayat3.co.uk. That's all letters, no numbers. Uh, any ideas for pods, any questions, any queries that you have, even ideas for podcasts, or hell, you want to stick your hand up and you want to come on the pod yourself, feel free to let us know and um, we'll absolutely accommodate you. Until then, it's been great talking to you. Bye for now. <laughs>